what's going on everybody welcome back to inside the five it's griff it's stuff and it's will and boy have we had a month off um you know it's been a little bit of time we've gone through some rough rough sporting moments in our lives um you know the celtics got taken down the bruins got taken down um teams in miami have been running us through the woods well um but anyways on this episode, we're going to be talking about another upsetting team. How about the Boston Red Sox? We're also going to be covering a little bit of the Stanley Cup Finals. As we know, we're a Vegas pod. Um, guys, we're back. What do we say? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Inside the Five. We're going to get things started talking about our beloved Boston Red Sox, who, since the last time we've recorded, geez, they've, it's been a, it's been a minute, but there's been some highs and there's been some lows. Um, We'll start off with this series, this most recent series that concluded, or that concludes tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Rays. Red Sox can't beat the Rays. The Rays own us. They've owned us even since 2021. It, it, It just isn't good. This season, we're one and six against the Rays. And the first win of the season actually came on Saturday in the first game of the doubleheader, in which the offense just exploded. And it kind of seems like this is the case for this team where either the offense explodes and the pitching sucks, or the pitching's great and the offense sucks. So we can't put together a great game, like specifically in the losses, but. We'll talk about the good first. Um, the offense was good. The offense came mm-hmm. back. We were down 4 nothing. They came back. They won. And it all came in that fifth inning where I think Sick. we rattled in the sixth inning when we rattled in six runs yep. and took that lead 6-4 and we never gave it up. Yeah, and there's not many times in a baseball game where a team will put up as many runs, if not, I mean, even more runs in an inning than the other team puts up in the whole game. Um, we got, I mean, I guess you could say lucky in the sixth inning here. Um, because six runs is insane. And the first leg of a doubleheader, um, Corey Kluber got another win. How about an, just a one, two, three inning for him? Uh, I want to say that was in the fifth, brought us into the sixth inning. Um, and that's where things took off. Um, I've been loving his role out of the bullpen, I want to say. Um, former Cy Young, obviously. Nothing too special nowadays. But Kenley Jansen picking up another save in this game. Blew it in the second game. I know you wanted to talk about the positives here, Stav, but why are we putting someone out there? I mean, what was that? Seven hours? Yeah, after seven. Catching seven and, and throwing a save. Yeah, I just uh, there's no. And he's like forty years old. He's isn't he thirty eight? Yeah, and he didn't. It wasn't like a quick save that he had in the first game. He got up there in the pitch count, right? And that's a game where you or Kelly Jansen right now. As great as he as he has been for the Red Sox this season, I mean that's my guy. That's the guy who I was designated to. Um, oh he isn't someone you want to put in in back to back days. Never mind both games in a double header. Um, why you have thirty something year old Kenley Jansen throwing forty pitches in or over? I think it was almost like fifty pitches in one day. That's not good. You can't do that. And there's been a lot of questionable managing decisions by Alec Cora this year. And let's just dive into the negatives, to be honest. Um, yeah. 
Kike Hernandez has been horrendous at shortstop. Absolutely abysmal. And it's ugly to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's not – stop it. It's not fielding the ball. It's throwing it over to first. He just mm-hmm. can't do it. He's He's literally me. He's me. He's skipping. He just – he can't do it. And he was an everyday guy over at shortstop in Los Angeles. Um, what was that, in 2018? Whenever that was. But it does – it seems like – he has the you-know-what at shortstop when it comes to throwing the ball. And we saw it on, on the first game t- – or the second game of the doubleheader last night where – or no, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, the first game. the first, Or maybe in, even in the second was, game. I didn't, it was the second. It was – or – No, it was the first. first game it, was the first. The two, it was the first. It was the first. Because I watched the first. The two, yeah. He had the two errors in that first game of the doubleheader that led to four runs. Garrett Whitlock actually didn't even pitch that bad considering he let in technically five runs only – Two of them were earned because Mm -hmm. Kike Hernandez had so many goddamn errors at short. And shortstop is in a position where you can just cruise by with, right? You you need to have somebody there who is more than capable of doing their job at that position. That's basically the center field of the infield, if that makes sense. All the balls are getting hit there. And especially without the shift in or with the modified shift in today's MLB, the shortstop needs to play a, a wide range of area. And he just hasn't been acceptable by any means. They need to figure it out quick. And what the hell is wrong with Alberto Montesi? Where is he? Because he was supposed to start day one. He was supposed to be our opening day shortstop. And then he got injured. And then nobody's heard of him ever since. I actually didn't even think about that. I've been waiting to hear from when he's joining the team, like all freaking year. I mean, going back to like Kike again, like he is making those plays. He just can't throw the ball, which makes no sense. And I hate that we just sit there and look at him and we just keep throwing him back out there. Like he's just not usable there. Like we need to get over that right away. And like, that's like not even the base of where our struggles are coming from. Cause we can dive into the starting pitchers. We can go into that. Cause our bullpen's actually been pretty good. Didn't love that. We threw Kenley Jansen out twice for the doubleheader, I thought that was a pretty dumb decision. Like, he already got the save. What's the point? Or did he get the win? Did he get the save? He got the save. He got the save. He got the save. So why why would you put him back in for the other doubleheader? Saving we have loss. Saving a loss. And just we have other guys in the bullpen. Like, the bullpen isn't our concern. Why would we – like, some of the moves that we've been making, some of the moves that Alex Cora has been doing have been quite questionable. Some have paid off. Most haven't. And I'm – I'm not a big fan of it. I'm not well, a fan yeah, of the it, current situation at all. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things where it's like we're itching to get these reinforcements back. That's kind of been a big story that's not really being talked about in Boston media with how injured this team is. And when these reinforcements come back, how good this lineup is going to be. I, I assume if Alberto Montesi decides he wants to show up in Boston, I, haven't, I don't even think he's doing rehab starts. I have no idea where he is. But someone who is a, a reportedly making progress is Trevor Story. A guy who's in AAA right now making his comeback is Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall, a guy who was hitting 400 and was tearing the top off the ball when he was playing. And then he had that unfortunate wrist injury. Um, when Duvall comes back, I think you should be getting reps at first base. Um, you can't take Jaron Duran out of this lineup, in my opinion. With yeah, how well he's been hitting, you can't get him out of this funk. So you need to have Duran in center. You need to have Duval at first, and you just kind of go from there. 
and then hopefully Story comes back. When Story comes back, he will play shortstop for this club. And I don't even mind who's playing second base right now. With uh, They're kind of mixing in Pablo Reyes, Emmanuel Valdez. Those two guys have been playing very well for this team. Two guys, It's a platoon between the two of them. But Valdez has more at-bats, obviously, and he's more reliable. But he's doing fine. Not and I'm a big fan of Emmanuel Valdez. I like the lefty hits the ball he does yeah. he gets the job done like i don't mind it at all i mean and that's not it if you want to talk about middle infielders that are injured we got two more in yu chang and christian arroyo we have yeah. a lot of guys and you're right people don't talk about you know when or if you know this team was healthy they talk about once they are healthy like what are we going to do with these guys that are you know going off maybe like a jaron duran or a rob ref snyder like where are they going to find their place in the lineup? We like we need to start worrying about when these guys are going to be coming back because at first we were talking about Trevor Story being around for All Star break, and then guess what? We haven't heard from him since he was throwing down in Fort Myers a month ago. We haven't heard any news since then. Adam Duvall, I think, came in yesterday for the Worcester Red Sox in a rehab start and did pretty good. He had a um, home run. I think that was his first hit though in two Woo Sox games. I think so. I'm not 100 percent sure. But I'm pretty sure he was struggling. Yu Chang, same thing with him. Heard he was throwing the ball around. Um, where? Where is he? I have no idea where this guy is. Yu Chang was our shortstop for a while. And I would love to have Kike back in the outfield because he can't do anything with his glove at shortstop. Yu Chang is a very good defensive player. Um, and he wasn't hitting the ball that great. He was starting to find his little rhythm there up until he got put on paternity leave and then came back, got injured. This team is a mess, and this team was a mess last year too. I would say we're less of a mess this year than we were last year. We're still over 500, um, battling right now though. I mean, and if we could have got both of those off the raise in that doubleheader, automatic split of the series, that would have been big. We yeah. didn't. We need to get a win on Monday. Um, it's going to be a big Big game for Brian Bayo as he goes up against Shane McClanahan. Obviously, Shane McClanahan has been one of the best starters in the league all season. He's eight and one. Bayo's three and three. Still trying to find that change up of his. Um, I have no idea where the hell that is either. A <laughs> lot of lot of lot of question marks here. We're one game over under five hundred to finish off this series. Stav, how do you see this game going tomorrow? Um, it can go one of two ways, right? McClanahan can come out and absolutely shove and dominate. He'll he could go seven innings, have ten strikeouts, and make the Red Sox look foolish. However, the Red Sox offense has been pretty good against aces, against number one mm-hmm. guys. What where I think back to is around a month and a half, a month ago, when we saw this Red Sox lineup absolutely tear through Kevin Gosman, someone who they haven't been able to hit in the past against the Blue Jays. Same thing with Alec Manoa. They gave him fits. So I can totally see this lineup just tear through McClanahan, but the lefty-on-lefty matchup does concern me just because of our best player right now, our most consistent player, Masataka Yoshida, who has been outstanding. And this is kind of surprising to me, but so against lefties, his splits, he's batting 296 against lefties. That's not bad. However, we might not see him in the lineup tomorrow. It just might be one of those platoon things where we randomly see Rob Refsnyder get the nod over him. Nothing Rob with, wrong with Rob Refsnyder. It's just Masataka Yoshida. You're paying him all that money to play every day. Um, 
where I was going with this point, I thought he was fairly worse against lefties. I didn't do my research before. I thought I was about to just go on the fly, and then I realized he's batting 296 against lefties. But with that being said, his power is down against lefties. That's true. He doesn't hit. He has in uh, 68 plate appearances. He only has one home runs, one home run, and three doubles. 16 hits. That's it's meh. It's I. He doesn't have the power against lefties. However, against righties, he's tearing the top off the ball. He's batting 326 against righties with only 16 strikeouts on the year. He has six home runs, 11 doubles, 47 hits. Unbelievable against righties. I want to see this power and I want to see the swing translate against a lefty ace. I mean, there's not too many of them in the MLB, but if we can see that, it's just going to lead to the Masataka Yoshida Rookie of the Year hype train even more. Yeah, and, and you know what? A big game or a, a, a large, large presence should be felt here for Jaron Duran in this game. He's been a guy that has been honestly pretty consistent with his bat. You love what he does with his speed. That translates a lot to his defensive ability. And he's been playing pretty good, you know. But going into the season, we were talking about why can't Jaron Duran be a big leader? And the reason was because of what he did against left-handed pitchers. This is a big game for him against McClanahan, especially in an AL East matchup. Like you said, Stav, if Massa isn't getting replaced by Ref Snyder, my guess is it might be Duran. But if Duran plays as well, um, it would be a big start for him and a big game for him to see what he can do because he's been hitting the ball pretty well um, and he's been facing lefties and not doing terrible against them. I mean, obviously not the best, but just a big game to see what he can do because like we've been talking about, once these reinforcements come, somebody has to go down, somebody has to get DFA'd, who are these names going to be and who's replacing who at the end of the day. We need to find out who's going to remain hot um, like you said, obviously, there's a lot of guys that have solidified their spots. Like, we can name the the big dogs on our team and all of that. Um, but when you look at a guy like Pablo Reyes, who's 29, he's been batting pretty well, but you, you don't know where these guys are going to go. Same with Valdez, who's 24, and then Duran, who's 26. They want these guys playing every day. It doesn't matter where they're playing as long as they're playing every day. If Valdez can really, really find his step and find his rhythm, then he could solidify himself at second base, and I would love to have a lefty playing second base. Um, but as of right now, I'm just really not too confident with this squad. I feel like there's a, a lot of inconsistency, and I am nervous for this game tomorrow. It's going to be a big test. It'll be a very big test. Yeah, because usually when the, this team, when the back's against the wall, it doesn't really prevail for them. But – before we kind of move on from this game tomorrow, I do want to talk a little bit more about Jaron Duran and the improvements he's made defensively. He's in the – he's so according to Baseball Savant, how they do their stats, usually when someone says, oh, I'm in the 94th percentile or something, it's not good. It's really good when you're talking about Baseball Savant. So the higher the percentile, the better it is. And he's the 94th percentile for outfielder jump in center field, which is outstanding considering last year how horrendous he was in center field. This is a huge jump for him to becoming an everyday uh, big, big leaguer. Arm strength is there. Outs above average is there. When he's hitting the ball, max ex exit velocity, hard hit percentage, he's hitting the ball well. The average isn't there. He's not hitting the fastball well. He doesn't hit velocity well, but he's really tearing the ball off of breaking balls. Against... So, like, just some of his splits against these. Against fastballs, he's batting 242, 
in Jaren Duran terms, that's not even that bad. Yeah. But what really is kind of outstanding to me is against breaking balls, he's batting 348. So that's something I wasn't expecting to see. And splits, his splits are pretty even against righties and lefties, which goes back to your point before about talking about what he could possibly do against Shane McClanahan. Uh, his splits, he's batting 250 against lefties and then 288 against righties. He's batting significantly better against righties, but 250 for Jaron Duran is not bad at all, considering he was batting only 200 last year. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see where this goes because we brought up Adam Duvall. Adam Duvall will be when he eventually gets healthy. We don't we don't want to rush him, but when he comes back, he will be an everyday guy for this club. It's just who's going to be sent down, who's going to lose their spot on this roster, and I don't think Jaron Duran should lose his spot at all. I think that he should stay up with this ball club, and you can't get him out of this group. Can Jaron Duran play second base? He got drafted as a second baseman. That's what I thought, right? But if he plays second base right now and he sucks, uh, oh, God, will he lose all the time? Oh, it would be the end of his life. Yeah. So I, I don't <laughs> think they should do that. I think they should keep him in center field, especially having that speed in center field yeah. is great. Duval can play first. Um, I don't know. Maybe move the strings around, see what fits. Because you're not taking Justin Turner down. Obviously, Justin Turner's playing great. Rafael Devers is Rafael Devers. That DH spot, maybe you put Duval there. You keep Massa on left. It's one of those. It's a weird. It's a weird spot for this Red Sox lineup right now. We go Send him down. You're right. You're. I. It's just one of those things and where. And who is mashing balls in Worcester right now? Okay, Dalvec. if they call if they call Bobby Dalvec, it's just gonna be the. If they call thing. up Bobby Dalvec for Tristan Casas, I have to take that clip. Oh, you absolutely do, and you I can record my reaction as well. Because However, it's one of those pace. things. I'm on pace for that to happen. You, oh, you're 100 percent on pace, and I more and more as the days go by, the more and more stupid I look. Um, it's just one of those things where you call up Bobby Dalvec, he's gonna fucking suck. We all know that he's gonna be bad. He's going to bat under 200. He's going to strike out a lot. And it's just going to be a righty version of Tristan Cassidy, but playing shortstop. So it's like, it's, yeah, call him up. But what what's he going to do that's going to help this ball club? I mean, if we look at it, we're, we're slashing as a team, like, very well. Like, we're actually hitting the ball really well. I wouldn't mind if he was a guy that just still doesn't get hits if we don't have to force errors at shortstop. Like, like the, our errors are the reason why we're just losing games. Like yes, our pitchers haven't been great, but like the errors, like we're just giving up stupid runs that we don't need. Like, like if we oh, have yeah. him there and he's actually good defensively, like I, that's not an awful trade off until players come back. And errors are such like a. I mean, when you want to talk about baseball as a momentum game, an error completely ruins an inning. It ruins an inning. You go back, say whoever committed that error, I, and I think this is the case, that next half inning, Kike was up, and, I mean, there's no chance you get a hit. You're done. I mean, you're an MLB player, and you got an error. That's, like, I mean, that's as worse as it gets mentally there. So, it's – there. there's a lot of things affecting this ball club right now, and we're hanging around that 500 mark. And, I mean, we got one more game against the Rays. Let's say – let's say we lose this. Um, we're at 500. We got a three-game set against Cleveland, and then it kind of gets into 
I, I wouldn't call it a gauntlet because we see the Yankees, and then after that, it, it really clears up for us, in my opinion, at least. And facing the Yankees for the first time this season, starting on June 9th, um, it's going to be a shit show, in my opinion. It's going to be an absolute shit show. I, I actually don't – we have Hauk – this is what's scheduled. Hauk against Der- Garrett Cole. I think we can win that. Am a, I stupid? Not Nash Cole. Garrett Cole, after he got off to his Cy Young start, he's been really lackluster for them. He's back to giving up. He's, he's due for like a – yeah. he's due for a terrible start. Yeah, so he's, he's due for a terrible Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not wor- I'm not worried about Garrett Cole. This could come back and bite us in the ass, but we own Garrett Cole. That's what I'm saying. I am scared, though, for that Saturday and Sunday. Um, but I am happy that we get to see Cleveland. I think that we have a chance to sweep them. At Cleveland as well, even with Shane Bieber on the mound. That team is a shit show. That whole AL Central is a shit show. And then after New York, we see Colorado. We see New York again. And then we see Minnesota, Chicago, Miami, Toronto, Texas, and Oakland. I mean, that's that's a great way to get into July right there, in my opinion. I think that sitting at 500 right now is right where we kind of thought we were going to be. So I'm glad that we're a little bit on pace of – I wish we were a few more games above 500. Um, but really no complaints. You know, we talk about all the negatives, but I'm not complaining yet. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like we didn't really have much many expectations for this ball club at the start of the year. And then they kind of started well, and things were clicking. It gave us a little bit of hope, and then we're like, oh. Yeah, if Duval is like healthy all the way through, we have five or six more wins on this record. Yeah, and if TK knows how to field the ball too, but that's besides the point. If I kind of want to, if we want to talk about guys who departed as well and have been dominating, there are two names that have really stuck out. Starting with Nathan Avaldi, a guy who we could have resigned, a guy who wanted to be here, and we just never resigned him. He is putting up an absolute career here. This current game that he is that the Rangers are playing in isn't over so but so these stats do not include actually it just ended he went six innings got the win and seven strikeouts uh they won 12 to three Nathan Evaldi is now eight and two his ERA before the start was 2.42 and he's just absolutely cruising through his career averages which is career he's a 406 pitcher now he's a 242 pitcher Second name that I would like to bring up, Michael Waka, guy who's five and two with a three four eight ERA, below career averages, is striking out batters. He is not letting up hard hits. It, it's just so annoying because we could have easily brought back both of these guys, and these guys could have had a really big impact on this ball club. And we could probably be sitting in the middle of this AL East gauntlet if we had two more arms like Nathan Avaldi and Michael Waka. And you know what? It would have put Whitlock. In the bullpen automatically, and it probably would have put um, Hauk in the bullpen as well. And there we go. We that's a, in my opinion, a big three in the bullpen of Hauk, Whitlock, and Jansen. I mean, we have two eighth inning guys, or maybe a seven eight inning guy, and then Jansen out there in the ninth. I like Whitlock sometimes out there in the ninth as well, but we just don't have that option right now. We don't really have anybody else that we can trust in the ninth inning and. Who knows how much trust we still have in Kenley Jansen going forward because, like you've always said, Stav, even though this is your guy, um, 
we're getting almost to that point of Kenley Jansen's season where it's like, holy shit, does he get much worse, right? And, and I can feel it coming. You're you're very much so right. I'm nervous about that. We're sitting at the bottom of the AL East right now, which is tough, but it's not like, once again, it's not like we're the worst team in the league. It's not like we're in the AL Central right now. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of different ways that this ball club could go. And I just don't feel a sense of like stability with this ball club. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Who's going to get hurt next. I feel like there's going to be someone that gets hurt before a reinforcement comes in next. I, I just, I don't, there's no trust here. There's no trust. There's no nothing. I am nervous. I am scared. And we're playing the Yankees. So never good. I mean, it's kind of there's. A, it feels like there's this overlooming gray cloud for this Boston Red Sox ball club where something's going to go wrong soon, and we're sitting around 500, which isn't horrible. We're in an absolute gauntlet of it is it of, the, of a division. English doesn't like me today, but it could be a lot worse too. Let's say that. Speaking of a lot worse, let's talk about some teams that are really underperforming up to this point. Um, starting off, we got to go with the defending NL West or the NL champions, the Philadelphia Phillies. They're sitting at 27 and 32 and no one really is performing well for this ball club. Yeah, you're right. And Bryce Harper came back. Um, he's been DHing day, day in and day out. And they were talking about, we're not going to rush him at first base at all. Um, makes sense. I do want to talk about, uh, specifically on this team, a guy that has been struggling very, very so much. Trey Turner has just been absolutely terrible at his position. He came off that World Baseball Classic. This is what everybody's been talking about um, and how special he was in that tournament. He's batting two thirty-two. Um, he has five homers, which I think he went like a month and a half without homering, which is insane for Trey Turner. His defense is still there. His speed is obviously still there. Um, but you know we're getting into the month of June right now, and you're batting two thirty-two with five home runs and sixteen RBIs. Those are most definitely not all-star numbers, and that is not you know what Trey Turner should be putting up. There's a lot of guys on this ball club that have a lot of upside, and there's a lot of these guys that should be like a stable piece. And it seems like the stable pieces, the guys that are supposed to be every day, you know, making big plays, guys. Those are the guys that aren't coming through for Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. Like Kyle Schwarber, he's never really known for being average uh, or hitting for average. He's batting 172. That That's unacceptable. Although he does have 15 home runs, which leads the team, you can't be batting 172 in the MLB. A uh, guy who actually is leading that team in average is Nick Castellanos, a guy who never really bats for average. He's usually around a 270 hitter. Well, he's batting 316 for this club right now. And after that, nobody on the team is batting over 300. And yeah, that enough too. Kyle Schwarber is the only one on this team who has double digit home runs. So exactly, and and you look at guys like JT Real Muto, who's still batting two fifty eight. Um, just you know, you need a bump from him. You need him at like two sixty, two sixty five, two seventy even. Um, you need Alec Bohm to step up big. Um, is he still playing even, or is he injured right now? I think he's injured right now. He just went on the IL. I think no, that's right. Yes, a couple of days ago, right? Yeah. 
Um, and then a guy that I've been, you know, waiting to kind of show up, he's been doing okay, um, is Bryson Stott. And honestly, he's the guy where I was talking about there's a few guys that, in my opinion, had a lot of upside. Um, this is one of them in, in Bryson Stott. He's 25 years old. He's playing second base for them, batting 288 right now. Um, and this is a guy, I mean, he's played 56 games so far. There's no reason for him to to be, you know, that third second or third best bat on this lineup. And that's what he's doing right now. He should be, you know, out there maybe batting sixth, maybe even seventh. And this team should be raking. They're coming off a very hot postseason run. Um, you know, they are supposed to be having the pitching. Um, and really just nothing is going through for these guys. They have a fantastic manager. I don't think it's managers. I mean, it's just the best way to put it is it's just baseball. You know, that's just what baseball is. Yeah, I'll just say I'm taking a look at their pitching, and none of like they only have a few people who are under a four ERA on the year for their starters. The only guy that's pitching under a four for them, I think, as a starter, is Strom, who we had. Yeah, that's um, like he's not even that he's not even doing that crazy. But they're also letting up like a lot of home runs this year. They are they've let up 61 home runs this year to teams. Like yeah, exactly. You can't ton of home runs. You can't let up 61 home runs. Yeah, and. They're striking out a lot too. Kyle Schwarber, he, we, like I said, he doesn't hit average. We know this, but he's striking out a lot. He's struck out 75 times. And then this is alarming to me right now. Trey Turner struck out the second most on this team at 64 times. Trey Turner shouldn't be striking out like that. He's a 300 batter. He's your, he's supposed to be your leadoff guy. When you're going yep. down into the hole one with one out at the top of your lineup every single time, two outs after Schwarber gets up, it's alarming. It's not really good, and there's not much you can do when you have two outs on the board if you're someone like Nick Castellanos or Bryce Harper who bats out of that three or four hole. So it's unfortunate, but will they turn it around? I wouldn't be surprised at all. This is kind of what happened to them last year. They could yep. sneak into a wild card spot. But as of right now, that NL East is very competitive. I don't want to compare it to the AL East just because of how dominant the AL East is. But when you have teams who are sitting at the top of that division, like the Atlanta Braves, who are absolutely dominating, the Miami Marlins, who aren't playing by any means good baseball up to this point, but they're still playing 32-28. and 28. And then ahead of you, you have the New York Mets, who are still rebounding from some injuries, who at the beginning of the season, when they didn't have Verlander or Scherzer getting their uh, – starts in the beginning of the year. Now those guys are back. So it's going to be a really strong uphill battle for the Philadelphia Phillies in a division that is has only gotten better from last year. Yeah, and I, I do want to talk a little bit about the Braves. They have been mashing baseballs. I, they lead the league in home runs, and it's not even close. They also lead the league in home runs over 450 feet. It's not even close. I was in chat with Will. In a PlayStation party, was that last night or two nights ago? Yeah, they're playing was, the D-backs, yeah, and Ronald like, Acuna hit a 464 foot home run. It was I'm actually watching the Braves right now. Yeah, it, it was, was an. They're still playing the Diamondbacks right now. Um, but Matt Olson has been mashing balls. He leads the team, I believe. He leads the league in home runs at 17 right now. He's got 42 runs batted in. Acuna has been going stupid, leading off for them. Um, he's batting 325 right now. Um, I mean, just this whole team, like Sean Murphy's been doing his thing. I know Will has been fantasy baseball. Ozzy Albies has been living up to who he's supposed to be. 
Um, shout out to shout out to Albies. Uh, I'm Ozzy Albies from the Atlanta Bridge. Or Marcelo Zuna, same thing. Marcelo Zuna, my guy. Um, he's been, you know, a little bit off, but the rest of this team has been picking up. Michael Harris, the second, um, is the last guy that I want to touch upon because he's one of my favorite young players in the league. He has gotten off to a very slow start this season. He is the only Atlanta Brave that I'm looking at, and I'm kind of like, whoa, what's happening here? The rest of the team is really lifting him up. Um, giving him the chance to still be in there every day because they are just putting up numbers, um, putting up runs day in and day out, winning a lot of baseball games. They're a very fun, young, and exciting team to watch. And stop. what's the score of that game right now against the Diamondbacks? Funny enough, the Diamondbacks are up 5-3 to three with runners on first and second with two outs. Well, that's perfect but, because, you know, what? I would love to talk about this team as yep. well in the Diamondbacks who has been very, very surprising after dropping – Two to two out of three to our beloved Boston Red Sox. I took a look at this team and I was like, "Oh, this team must be terrible." Like they just lost a series to the Sox. I go over to look and look at look at who's at the top of the NL West, right? And I watched a game against the Rockies. I watched a game against the Braves, um, where they actually won three to two. Um, this team has a very interesting lineup in a kind of a lineup that came out of nowhere, where Cattell Marte's been putting. Uh, balls in play. You, you have guys like obviously Corbin Carroll, who's been their guy pretty much from the start of the season. Um, Lourdes Goodiel as well has just been amazing for this team and their pitching staff is to die for. I mean, I, as Red Sox fans, when I see a good pitching staff, I'm like, damn. And this is one of these pitching staffs where you know how good this pitching staff is. Will they dropped mad bum. They just DFA'd him because he wasn't playing well. You drop a Hall of Famer almost. So, I mean, Merrill, Carey, Merrill Kelly, excuse me, um, Ryan Nelson, guys like that have been going off. Obviously, Zach Allen is disgusting. But, um, you know, this team and their relievers, who I've never heard of in my life, they go in, they get the job done. I think Andrew Chafin is their uh, closer, I think, and he's been putting together some good appearances as well. This team is a scary team, and – especially in the NL West where the Padres are struggling. Um, the Dodgers are always up there. Um, the Giants are struggling as well. They have a chance to really make a push here, and they're going to be battling. It's going to be a very tough, tough rest of the season going up against teams like the Dodgers, the Padres, um, and even the Rockies who put together some good pitching appearances sometimes. Um, it, it's going to be difficult to see them win the NL West but I could definitely see them being a wild card spot. You know what I think is funny about the NL West? It always alternates. Obviously, the Dodgers will make the playoffs. Yeah. It, it, that's a given. But it's always alternating that second team from the NL West that makes it in. A few years back, we saw the San Francisco Giants go over 100 wins. They ended up losing in the divisional round. But And then last year was the Padres. This year, it could be mm -hmm. the uh, Diamondbacks. And no one's really talking about how bad San Diego's been. When they're sitting at 27 and 31 with the payroll that they have and the guys they go out and get, uh, the pitching and they're staff like they healthy, have, they're healthy for the most. There's, part. Tatis came back. Um, I've actually watched a fair share of Padres games, yeah. and like they've they've been struggling just with everything. Like they're getting the hits, but they're, they're like, I don't know what it is about them. Well, not everyone's getting hits. Tatis is still putting up, like he's still doing him. 
Xander's been all right. Manny Machado has kind of been like to be yeah. honest, kind of mid like all year long. Yeah. And they they have I believe they're platooning in like three positions currently on that team. And I think um he was on the Yankees last year. Um can't think of his name. Carpenter. Carpenter has a mustache. Um he has played like shit for them all year. He can't get a hit to save his life, and their pitching has been kind of abysmal. Yeah, when you have guys like – and I brought up Michael Walker before who's pitching above his career averages. He's been a lone bright spot on this team, it seems like, and especially when they're sitting at 27 and 31. Soto's batting below career averages. Uh, Manny Machado coming off of an NL MVP top three finish is batting 232 around there last time I checked. Um, that's unacceptable for somebody who you're paying that much money to and for someone who you have that high of expectations for. Yeah, and it's just the whole team in general. There's not a single guy on this squad batting over 300 right now. Um, Tatis, who has only played in 38 games, batting 258. I'll give it to Juan Soto. He's 256. He's played 58 games. He's leading the team in batting average, and that's abysmal. That is – I mean, what? wait. Wasn't Jaron Duran batting like 250? Jaron Duran was batting 250 against lefties. Jaron Duran's batting like 270. He'd be the he'd be the best bat on the San Diego <laughs> Padres right now. I think we should think trade Xander Bog or I think we should trade Jaron Duran for Xander Bogarts. Who says no? Yeah, exactly. Heim Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> he would hate that. He would hate having Xander <laughs> No, but um, yeah, you're right. This team with their payroll, with the names on their jerseys. You got you Darvish. You got um, Blake Snell, even He's Nick the Martinez. There's, 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 I mean, didn't they lose their television rights deal as well? Didn't Will yeah, Thomas? They just well, lost their Valley Sports deal because they're going bankrupt. Well, no, Valley Sports is going bankrupt in general. Yeah. They're, they're losing everybody. But I'm just saying everything's going wrong over there. <laughs> Trade Don Orsello and Xander Bogarts back to the Red Sox. Only it'd only be right. You wouldn't want Eck. Uh, Don Orsello is done. True. True. Is Eck retired? Oh, did he retire? retired. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Oh, you know what? That sounds right. Yeah, give me Don. Uh, you can kick Dave O'Brien to the curb. Um, yeah. You can go back to college. But no, the Padres stink. Any other guy? Any other teams we got here? Um, the a team that I had really high expectations for were the Seattle Mariners. I thought they would win the AL, and they're sitting really bad too, considering their expectations are at five hundred. But this ball club was a playoff team last year. They only got reinforcements. They have they re-signed their guys. And they're just not playing well. They're not playing good baseball, and in a division that's very I don't want to say winnable. But in a division that you should be competing in with the Angels and their Oakland, who is the worst team of all time, probably. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, you have teams that are exceeding expectations, like the te- the Texas Rangers, who everything's going right for them, and Degrom is hurt. So when he comes back, that only just proves even more. But this offense, Fox, the Texas Rangers offense is insane. It's awesome. Um, Start like at leading the helm is Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager, the infield that they're paying half a billion dollars to. So I'm glad <laughs> yeah, that they're actually God. performing well. Thank God they're pulling through because the yeah. past two years they've been abysmal. Yeah, they it's been bad in Texas, but it's good to see that they're actually performing well. Guys like Jonah Heim, too, who are batting switching excellent. 
Yeah, exactly. I wonder why we know that. But um, <laughs> he, he's – I mean, it's just a, a very good lineup that uh, is exceeding expectations, and I'm happy for them. I mean, Jonah Heim right now, he's batting 289 with six home runs and 41 RBIs. That's all, That's great. That's a, a position of need that they didn't really expect coming into this season. And Simeon, he's probably top five in AL MVP voting right now if the season ended today. He's batting over 300 with nine home runs and 47 RBIs, stealing bags as well. He has seven stolen bases up to this point. This team's producing when they need to. They're scoring runs and limiting their opponents to scoring runs, leading the helm with Jacob deGrom, Nate Ovaldi. These guys are just shoving. And Martin Perez. Yeah, exactly. Just former Red Sox, just throwing it down. Uh, I do, I do want to give a shout out over talking about Texas um, to Josh Jung as well, another one of my favorite young players in the league. Um, third baseman, obviously, he's batting two ninety four for them. He's got twelve jacks, thirty eight RBIs. I mean, those are good numbers right there, especially from a twenty five year old who's, um, you know, going into this season finally being an everyday guy potentially, and he's really solidified himself at that spot. And he's been a very bright spot in a very bright lineup for a good team. Um, a team that we really haven't seen do well at all. One thing I hate about the AL, and we talk about it, we think about it all the time, is just how dang good both the AL East and the AL West, with the exception of Oakland and Seattle, are, and just how terrible the AL Central is. There isn't a team in the AL Central that I wouldn't mind playing every single day. Like, I mean, this is putrid. The The White Sox are really not coming through this year. Um, I wonder why. Maybe it's because their manager is 97 years old and does not connect with his team. Maybe. Just, as, just an idea. Um, the Twins suck. The Twins will never be a good baseball franchise ever in their existence. Just want to get out of that way. And while we're including that, I'm just going to throw in Detroit – in Kansas City in that conversation as well. Um, I'm really upset with the way that the Cleveland Guardians have played this year. Um, they have guys. They just DFA'd Plesak. I heard Stav, but I didn't see his exact stats. He was really not coming through in AAA. In, really in bad. He, he was really bad. He I mean, if you're getting cut by the Cleveland Guardians who are sitting below 500 and they need starting pitching, um, I, I'm pulling him up right now. He has an eight ERA in AAA. That's that's. And I think that's over. Well, I don't know if you have the stat up, but I think it's over like five starts. Um, I I knew it was eight, but I like was he like? Did they bring him down? Like, did he get hurt and they just like he just sucks? Like, I don't like. I haven't heard. No, I don't think he got hurt. I think he got sacked in like two years. Yeah. No, he. They sent him down um, because he was terrible in the beginning of May. They sent him down. He had all right. I'm sorry. He had an eight ER. Let me pull it up on Baseball Savant because they'll have it. But yeah, um, I'll, I'll keep talking. I'll, I'll, I got some yeah. more stuff about the uh, the Guardians here. Um, one thing I do want to say: very disappointed in the way Jose Ramirez has been playing. He's only batting 261. Um, he does not have double digit home runs. Um, the only bright spot on this team has been Shane Bieber. My guess is he's gone by the deadline, and, you know, if we were a Red Sox podcast, oh, wait, we are, we should get Shane Bieber. He has five games. He's one and one, has a 7.59 ERA in 21 innings pitch and 14 strikeouts with a 1.97 whip. 
But I, I'm trying to think: is that in the majors or is that in minors? Because it might that I thought I thought the same thing, but that might be. On the way, he's one for three. My bad. With a seven point five six. Twenty five Ks and a one point six. I read the wrong one. In That's the, in the AAA. In the majors, he has the same stats, but he just is one and one. Yeah. Three. So he he's just been ass. Yeah, both. he's really just been really bad. He'll get picked up though. Yeah, well, you're you're right. Literally the same exact thing. That's why I was confused. Yeah, um, no, he literally posted the same thing, except he struck out 11 more guys in the minors, which I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, how old is he? He's like 27? He is 28. Maybe 28. He's 28. Yeah. He's got years. Yeah, poor Zach Fleezak. That's not really someone that – Whatever. I mean, the song, might, might as well go get him if you have Corey Kluber, who's 40, throwing pitches right down the fucking dick. Hey, might as well go get Plezak, another guy who throws else. it down the dick, but he's at least 28. So you get 10 years there. <laughs> 10 years of just. He's got 10 years to figure it out. So. Yeah. Before you get Corey Kluber. <laughs> and we got playing. nothing but time. Yeah. According really. to Mr. Heim Bloom, my favorite, favorite, favorite field cleaner. Hey, at service. least oh wow, you just you just said what I was about to say. Isn't that something? In okay, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? While we're on it, while we're on it, everybody in the front office does that in the middle of doubleheaders. That's the thing. That is the thing about baseball. That is what happens. The front office goes, they clean up, they help in between doubleheaders. Because you play another game in an hour and a half. You expect, like, yeah. the five people that are replacing the trash bags to do that in between games? No. That's – Heim Bloom, no, and it's respect that he does that, but people don't understand that he most likely does that every single doubleheader. Like, that isn't anything new. We've seen it before. We've literally seen pictures of him doing that last year. He Why does that have to go viral every time? That is what he does, and that is what he should be doing. I love that he does it. I respect the man a lot for doing that, obviously. But, you know, that's not, like, something that just happened for the first time ever. I just need to get yeah, that off. It, that I don't, I don't mind when they show it. It's like, oh, nice. Like, huh, like you know, he's doing his thing. But, like, let's not make But he's it not like, doing his fucking thing. He's fucking – he's been on the phone. <laughs> like, I hate it when I saw it and they were I was like, oh, my God, and he's cleaning up today. I'm like, yeah, man, like – Thanks. Yeah, he's cleaning. He's like, cleaning up a one-year with who we need. Rob Refshine going up freaking. Like... Yeah. All right. Why did we extend Rob Refshine because it's Robbie Refs and dude, they he, DFA'd he, Jorge Alfaro. Someone dude, he's up there with Taylor Hall for loving Boston. What he said. Robbie Refshine, <laughs> <laughs> two of the Boston guys, Rob Refshine <laughs> and Taylor Hall. What a guy! I love Boston. All right, hold on. Where we got to think of. <laughs> that's that's a good like I don't know that that who's the who's crazy. the Celtics guy that loves Boston? Who would we say? I was about to think of a Patriots one because I was gonna be say Derek Matt. White. He was a Red Sox fan. Yeah, Patriots Derek Derek White is a Boston guy. That's a good shout. I oh yeah, Derek say, White is definitely yeah. the Boston guy. I was gonna say Matt Judon for the uh for the Patriots. No, Matt Judon is a Foxborough guy. But like he's out here like Calling out Micah Parsons and coming yeah, out of his like for the team. Yeah, he, he's the face. There's of, no one else doing anything like that. Everyone kind of stays quiet. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Patriot too. way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Don't get me started on that team. You know what I can't wait for? When we get to training camp again and I have like unreal optimism. 
Yeah, remember, we're gonna be talking. Remember me la- we're gonna be you guys remember me last next couple of weeks? By yeah. the way, you guys remember last year how I would do like the training camp minute after I would go like see what was being said, go through different clips, and I'm like, hey, once this offense puts it together, this team could actually be okay, and they just never like put it together. Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver one. Oh, don't get me started because he had a really good OTA. <laughs> I bet they're over wins because I was really happy that Mac Jones went perfect in no shoulder pad practice. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, that's all I needed to see. Over seven and a half. Seven and a half wins is low. If that my logic for that was if that team last year can get eight wins, then just give us an offensive coordinator and give me eight wins. That's it, right? Yeah, you just got do Billy the- OB. Billy OB, and we're gonna get D Hop. Don't just say that he's coming to. He's actually coming to Foxborough for a visit this week. Tomorrow? No, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. I'll go uh, pick him up from the Tuesday. airport. His care. only scheduled visit. No, you already saw the picture on. Yeah, yeah I was just uh, <laughs> picking up his rental, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, that hurts, dude. I just, <laughs> I just told Will this story. Oh, who was it, Will? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. I just told Will this story. My mom sent me the tweet. It was the picture oh, of Larry God. Fitzgerald at the Hertz pickup. But it was <laughs> it was over the winter over baseball free agency. It said Aaron Judge spotted at <laughs> And my mom said it to me. I was like, Mom, that's not that's oh, not what Aaron Judge looks like. <laughs> that's she got got and it was it was the worst one possible. Like I've gotten it from my dad, but it was like Oh, who was it? It was like a Celtic or a potential Celtic or something like that. And I was like, okay, like you got got, no big deal. But like, mom, like Aaron Judge is white. <laughs> that is awesome. It was hilarious. Yeah, but all right, let's go Stanley Cup for literally a minute and then let's call it wraps. Because when we're talking about Larry Fitzgerald and Aaron Judge, you know that the, uh, yeah. the show has kind of gone AWOL. So, game one of the Stanley Cup Finals, Vegas took it 5-2 to two after a strong third period. This game was very close in the first two. Uh, Duclair tied it up in the last minute of the second period, and we were looking for an entertaining third. And then Vegas just kind of took it home. They, they did what they've been doing all playoffs long. They've been out-physicaling teams all playoffs. They've been scoring goals led by Jack Eichel, a local kid, who is playing unbelievable hockey right now. If they end up winning the series, he will win MVP. But it's no surprise to me if Florida just comes out, I think tomorrow night is game two, Monday night, and absolutely dominate. That's what the Florida Panthers do, led by Matthew Kachuk. Um, This team can score from basically anybody in the first four lines. They can get it together. They're playing excellent hockey. But this was the first blow-up start we've seen out of uh, Bobrovsky since he's kind of been put back into that role, except that game six against the Bruins. We don't want to talk about that, but that was the last time he's let in a lot of goals, but he's been cruising the last two rounds and Vegas kind of really stepped up. So I really do expect the Panthers. I think the Panthers are going to win game two. I think the series is going to go six or seven. And I think Bobrovsky really dominates in game two. I was just saying, and how about, how about the start that Aiden Hill had with game one? Um, obviously led in two goals, had 33 saves himself. Um, a young goalie who's been put into this role has been shining. Everybody saw uh, that one save that he made, that diving save, where it caught the end of his stick. Um, that was amazing. Um, just a few guys on, on this Vegas squad that have been stepping up and, you know, doing 
things that we don't really expect from them. And getting a couple goals from a couple of guys like White Cloud, who I have actually never heard of. That's their third defensive pairing. Um, he found himself in the net uh, in game one. Um, just those those guys. And like you said, they got guys like Jack Eichel and um, Mark Stone, who's well, been playing exactly. Well their the captain that just came back. Um you know, they're at full strength. This is going to be a good series. This is going to be a very good series, two very good teams. Um, and like you said, I could see this going six or seven, and I could see this going six or seven games where, you know, a team is winning by three goals each game, two or three goals each game. But it's going to be a very entertaining series. It's going to be a lot of fun. And game one was just the beginning of that. What a, It was a very exciting game. Agreed. I mean, like if you take a look at the teams, like Vegas is a team that can net four goals in the first period and – not stop from there. They're very dangerous. If they don't come out hot, they'll probably finish the game hot. So, like, those games, I think the Panthers, like, if they can get, like, they're an aggressive team. So, when they go out there, if if Vegas doesn't come out hot, they have an ability to just kind of be the aggressor, get a couple goals, and then they're, Vegas is looking from the ground up. I think Vegas wins in six, though. Yeah. Should I, we go official predictions? Official prediction, Vegas in six. Stuff? Oh, no, I need to hear yours. I want Florida to win just because I don't want to hear the Cassidy talk about, oh, the Bruins fire him, and then he goes and wins the cup uh, the year after. But I have Florida winning in seven. Ooh. I was going to take the same exact thing. It's just this Florida Panthers team, literally right when you count them out, that's when they play their best. And it really wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. This team is fully capable of going to Vegas in a game seven and winning on the road. And that's how they will win. Um, they're very well rested. They it was game one's usually a feel out game, anyways. They didn't play well game one against the Bruins. Look how that series ended. Um, they always come back. They always play well when it matters, and they're very clutch. And they just kind of remind me of a team that don't they don't really know how good they are. They're just so young, and they perform when it matters, and they just stick with each other. And they're very well coached team, and it just. And Bruce Cassidy's a choker, so that's that's kind of yes, sir. I'm going right there with you, Stav. I had the same thing in mind. I got Florida in seven. I think it's going to be one hell of a series. Um, you guys were expecting some basketball today, but guess what? You didn't get it. Yeah, fuck. And are we and are we being petty and mad? Maybe, but do you run the show? No, do we? Yeah. So guess what? We're not talking basketball today. A um, lot of transfers in the Big East. Mm-hmm. I'm so ready for college ball. Um, we I can't wait for talking. college sports. I know. I know. I know. And we'll be talking some football coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'm very excited to get into our teams. Um, and honestly, the whole league, a lot of excitement around the NFL as always. That's going to wrap it up for this episode, unless anybody got anything else. No. No? All right. Sounds like a plan. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed. We're excited to be back and on track. Happy summer to everybody. Happy June to everybody. Happy birth month to me. Um, We will catch you guys on the next episode. And peace.